the Force is with us again. Return of the Jedi has opened here in New York. It's playing at the Low Astor Plaza Theater, among other places. And that's where Ed Miller is standing by live with all the people who are waiting to go into the 520 show. Ed, how is uh, it? Ernie, they started selling tickets here at the Lowe's Astor Plaza at 8.30 this morning. And even at that early hour, the line was five football fields long. That's five across. If they would have been single file, they would have been standing all the way to New Jersey. The very first person in line was a teenage boy. He started standing Sunday at midnight, and uh, the theater felt sorry for him, so they let him in for free. But the rest of these people are shelling out cash like it's going out of style. Return of the Jedi is being released today on exactly the same day that the original Star Wars was released six years ago. That meant happy birthday for one little boy here in New York. He's coming back for his sixth birthday now to see it himself. All Return right. of the Jedi. All right. He's a big fan, right? everywhere welcome to the 25th episode of blast points uh i can't believe we're at 25 it's pretty awesome can you believe it gabe no no but we made it we made it we're, we're getting uh older yeah <laughs> and wiser hopefully yeah, i don't know <laughs> maybe for a special 25th show we're going to be talking all about return of the jedi in a little bit uh possibly one of the greatest movies of all time possibly I rank Return of the Jedi as my all-time favorite Star Wars movie of all time. My personal favorite. How? Where Where do you rank it? It's my number three. Uh, number three. So, so it's my number one of the original trilogy. Okay, so what, Attack of the Clones? Phantom Menace and then Jedi. Okay. So it's up there. But first let's talk about Rogue One. <laughs> my favorite Rogue One is news of the week was a cake a rogue one cake was spotted yeah that's such a weird thing to be leaked out <laughs> like someone's having a rogue one birthday like a year ahead of time <laughs> i wanted I, I really wanted to eat some of that rogue one cake yeah and nothing says happy birthday like a death trooper <laughs> I, I don't know if that it means you love someone or you want them to die <laughs> I wonder if you filmed someone's uh, Rogue One birthday party, then that that footage would have to go under reshoots. So also there was some news, some crazy news, and I didn't quite understand what uh, this whole news was about with like uh, somehow kyber crystals might have something to do with Rogue One. Yeah, I saw that too where 
there. Maybe they're mining kyber crystals because that was always an unofficial power source for the laser in the Death Star. Right. And that was like an old uh, Force Awakens rumor, too. Yeah. So maybe, I mean, because there's all the spy photos of what, like orange crates. Yeah. <laughs> Got to be something in those crates. So. Why not crystals? My favorite bit from that news was that there was a Nikto scientist in like a lab coat. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, wasn't that because it was the actor that played Nikto? So they didn't know if it was just him as himself as a scientist or him as Nikto as a scientist. Oh, please. Please give me a Nikto scientist. Well, that's potentially cool if they're just getting the random uh, creature actors back if they're still alive to play roles too. Yeah. Why not get everybody back? Yeah, if they can't get Wedge, they might as well get everybody else. I'm still I'm still. I wish Wedge was in Force Awakens. I know. But you know what? There was something crazy I was thinking about Rogue One today. Is what if they get Tamora Morrison to play old Rex? (laughs) (laughs) Especially if Filoni was saying how he's going to make it make it happen that the old Van Zant guy or whatever in Jedi is really going to be Rex, like. Even if he doesn't talk, if he's just standing in the background and it's more Morrison with a beard. Oh. Just think about that, yeah. <laughs> oh, no. People wouldn't be able to handle it. No. People no. be ripping out the seats. No. Ah! Ah! I was just going to say I lost a good chunk of the day thinking about that. Today. <laughs> 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 Drifting away. Just staring off into into the sky. Yeah. Looking at a flower. Like a pillow in his shirt. <laughs> oh, he looks a little chunky. Oh, man. Yeah, just imagine if he was carrying, like, his clone trooper helmet. Amanda? You got old. Had to happen sometime, Rex. So, also, there was news. Forrest Whitaker... His character may or may not be called Castro, and Mads Milkinson's character may or may not be called Galen, which is an old kind of rumor. Okay. I thought you were going to say may or may not be called Dad. (laughs) (laughs) I am your father. There was, I think it was yesterday, like late last night, there was a kind of blurry shot that could be Rogue One production art of Vader on a Star Destroyer bridge. I, I was going crazy, like um, comparing the Star Destroyer to the like the, the the interior of the Star Destroyers in Empire, and then the end of uh, Revenge of the Sith, and looking at differences. And it definitely, it's 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 a Star. It's very there's a lot of similarities, but it's not one we've seen before. And then there was there was something else with uh, some of the older Rogue One production art, right? Yeah, our friend Richie uh, brought it up to me today, and I felt like an idiot. There was like the production art, I think from Celebration, right, of the troops running, like from left to right, and it's kind of all blue and misty, and yeah. the Ewing fighters just floating, like landing above the troops. So we've had pictures of the Ewing fighter since probably Celebration last year, and I don't know that I ever noticed that. No, no, mm-mm. I never did either. And then, yeah, you sent me that photo today. And it's like, oh, look, the U-Wing has been in the back the whole time. And I was like, well, look at that. <laughs> what? Unless they went on the internet and replaced all the photos with one with a U-Wing. No one noticed <laughs> that either. <laughs> <laughs> 
There was a little bit of episode eight stuff going on in the past week. Get Beautiful. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode eight. On Wednesday, Ryan Johnson posted a photo of Luke's cloak hanging up, uh, saying that filming was in the home stretch on episode eight. Yep. And it looks like it's hanging in the set from the Instagram picture uh, last week of the rocks. Yeah. And then I think weren't people saying since uh, John Boyega was saying he was going back for like publicity stills or promotional sh- footage that potentially that's what the cape was from. They were just they're just taking photos at this point. Yeah. So and then we'll get a big high res picture of Luke in his fancy dress. Oh, yeah. And he, Mark Hamill posted something about how he can't you know, he's going to be able to shave pretty soon and he can't wait. I don't know. It all kind of makes me sad that eight filming of eight is at least this first round of filming of eight is almost done. Yeah. Well, there'll be reshoots and then everyone will be worried that the movie's terrible. Yeah. So we, so we still have that to look forward to. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They'll, they'll need to, to add some more giant rubber chicken. I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> after, after the execs see all the chicken footage, like <laughs> we need more of those chickens. That's the third standalone. The third, the third star Wars story, giant rubber chicken. Yeah. Yeah, someone at Hasbro's working on the sculpt right now. The better be Black Series. Yeah, five thousand proposable. Yeah, five thousand points of articulation. Let's get on it. Yeah. Um. So then uh, there was the big AFI tribute to John Williams that happened this week, and John Williams was asked about episode eight, and he said, "If I can do it, certainly I will." I told Kathy Kennedy, "I'm happy to do it." But the real reason is I don't want anybody else writing music for Daisy Ridley. Ray, her theme has a musical grammar that is not heroic in the sense of a hero's theme. It's kind of an adventure theme that maybe promises more than resolving itself in the most major triumphant resolutions. When we first meet her, she's been alone, she's without her parents. I felt a lot of empathy for that girl. And I think Ray's theme needs to illustrate that. So we're just one step closer to some kind of official confirmation that John Williams is back doing the score for eight. I mean, this is pretty close to being official, but like, honestly, I won't. Like, honestly, get a real sleep at night until I get like concrete. It's on StarWars.com, John Williams is back. Yeah. Well, that's the kind of stuff that, if they can, they're going to save that for a celebration. They could be saving that for next celebration. Yeah. I to give some, you know. Yeah. Even if behind the scenes he's committed to it, they don't necessarily have to announce it to keep people wondering. It began with the story of a boy, a girl, and a universe. It became battle between the forces of good and evil. Now, return to a galaxy far The saga lives on. Return of the Jedi. Rated PG starts Wednesday, May 25th at a theater in your galaxy. I was six when Return of the Jedi came out. I was either six or seven. 
I think we were seven. Yeah, okay. I was trying to. I was thinking about that this weekend too. I was trying to do the math because for a while I thought it was six, and then I realized because it came out in the summer. Right. I know for for a lot of it, there's a lot of nostalgia with Star Wars, and I you got to feel like at seven, we were at our most hyped for probably a new Star Wars movie. Yeah, because I think for me, I was thinking that's the first one I really remember seeing in the theater. Like, I knew what Star Wars was before Return of the Jedi. Yeah. But that's the one I remember being excited for and seeing it in the theater and basically having my mind completely blown and coming home and running around the neighborhood with a plastic wiffle bat, like lightsaber fighting, like the minute I got home from the theater. I think for us, that plays a big part in all of it, like... The, the a lot of the Return of the Jedi merchandise, I remember like the most and have the most fun like the trading cards and even weird little things like the um, the Return of the Jedi uh, bookmarks. For some reason, I was really obsessed with those. You know, just weird stuff that Return of the Jedi Shrinky Dinks and stuff. You know, stuff like mm-hmm. that. So yeah, I had a Return of the. I think when I was eight, the next year I had a Return of the Jedi birthday. Oh man! And I wanted I wanted a speeder bike cake. <laughs> And some lady made one for me, and she didn't, like, decorate it to look like a speeder bike. She just stuck the toy on top. And at first, I was kind of bummed. I was like, man, I wanted it to look like a speeder bike. But then I realized I got to keep the toy, so I was all right with it. <laughs> <laughs> so it turned out to be better So you sh- she painted it. You sh- I mean, it's 2016. You should be able to, I think your next birthday – you, you should you should tell you should tell Mrs. Gabe that you should have a speeder bike cake. Like now is the time. All right, I might try that. <laughs> so let me know how it goes. All right. No, 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 no. <laughs> you know, Father's Day is right around the corner. It's a good. That's time. true. It's a good time to get a speeder bike cake. So one thing I noticed that both six and seven. Both open up in the crawl with just Luke Skywalker. Mm-hmm. Good point. I thought that was interesting when I went back to Jedi this week. I think another thing, too, that that shares in common is they're both kind of ones, too, where they are purposely kind of recapping a new hope in a way. Yeah. Because Jedi is kind of like very similar to a new hope, but just bigger and crazier and trying to push things they couldn't do the first time around. Because, I mean, it basically opens with the same opening shot of A New Hope, just with the Death Star there instead of the the moon. And then a Star Destroyer coming by. Mm-hmm. The, you know, and that's something I was thinking about, too. The awesomeness of the Imperial Shuttle and everything about the Imperial Shuttle is vastly underrated. That's true, because pretty much tons of ships, even to this day, are based on that design. Right. There's not enough Imperial Shuttle stuff out there. Yeah. They haven't made a lot of toys. Of them. No, there's a Lego set though. I know, but you can't go to you can't go to the grocery store and find like a Star Wars T-shirt with an Imperial <laughs> shuttle on it. There's an Imperial. There is not Imperial shuttle like Fruit Loop or not Fruit Loops. What are those things? <laughs> fruit roll ups. Fruit roll ups. No, there's not Imperial shuttle fruit roll ups. And like I started getting mad thinking about it because I'm like, you know, like the the Target Millennium Falcon, the red Target Millennium Falcon T-shirt that everyone has. Mm-hmm. Why has there ever been like a diagram T-shirt of the Imperial shuttle? Yeah, well, I don't think the Empire had Wookies in mind when they designed her, Chewie. There's like one for X-wings. There's one for Adats. There's everything, but no Imperial shuttle. Yeah, there should be more stuff. There should. It's be. a good vehicle. 
It's awesome. All right, hang on. So I notice also when the Imperial shuttle is landing in the Star Destroyer, you can really hear the, the Rogue One alarm. It also, Vader's entrance in Return of the Jedi, I think is the best Vader entrance ever. Yeah, totally. And it's the, the inspiration for Kylo Ren's entrance. Yeah. With the, with the steam and everything coming out of the, out of the landing craft. A Vader is so shiny in Return of the Jedi. Yeah. Shiny and dark. Very dark. Like, you can almost not see him. Even with all those lights, he's so dark. It's all the evil. One thing I really noticed uh, in Return of the Jedi this week that I was really enjoying is uh, Moff Jerjerod. Mm-hmm. Through the whole thing, his facial expressions constantly. Like, number one, when Vader tells him that the Emperor is coming and we shall double our efforts and all that. But at first, when he tells him like that the Emperor is coming, like Jerjerod's face. The Emperor's coming here? That is correct, Commander. And he is most displeased with your apparent lack of progress. We shall double our efforts. I hope so, Commander, for your sake. The Emperor is not as forgiving as I am. Oh, yeah. So later, when they're walking with the Emperor, like when the Emperor arrives, if you just watch Jerjerod in the background walking with them, he looks like completely terrified. He should be. Yeah, I would be. Well, that's the thing too. It's like they start the movie with the with the Vader arrival, and you're like, "This is awesome! Vader's so evil!" And then the Emperor arrives, and it's like the Vader one, but even more intense. Yeah, because it's like, oh, "Oh no, it's the Emperor!" <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then I like that, like when the Emperor shows up, literally every stormtrooper ever is there for the Emperor. Mm-hmm. And Vader, yeah. Vader is just like ten dudes or something, just like whatever. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and that's. I mean, that was the first time anyone ever saw the Emperor not in hologram, too. Yeah, like and like walking out of that shuttle. And even if, like, oh. if if you were a kid and you saw the original, the OG Emperor before the what was it? When did when did the Ian McDermott Emperor come into Empire? Was that the DVD or the Blu-ray? It was the DVD, right? Right, it was the DVD. So it was a DVD release. You're right. So if you back in the day, you thought the emperor. I, what did I? What did you think the emperor was? I mean, he had like the monkey eyes, like the chimpanzee eyes, and it was totally weird. What is thy bidding, my master? There is a great disturbance in the force. I have felt it. We have a new enemy. Luke Skywalker. Another thing I thought was interesting that uh, in the commentary, uh, Lucas was saying that pretty much the whole first half of Return of the Jedi, he didn't really have a plan for that. And he kind of had to, and he was just like, oh, I wanted to go back to Tatooine because I liked it. And uh, they had to go get Han and people like Han so much. So I thought I'd give him something to do. But it was like they had, like, he just was like, oh, bring in Jabba. But, like, that was all, like, an afterthought. Like, originally, like, Return of the Jedi was just pretty much, like, the second half. That's the one to go back and read the other drafts of the script, too, because that movie was all over the place. 
before they figured out what they were going to do. But man, the I love the beginning of the, all the Jabba stuff. That's just like, there's just so many just creatures and it's so weird. It's almost like the movie starts and it's the, it's like the R2 and 3PO lost in the de- desert part of a new hope, but for like 30 minutes and they're lost in the desert with just tons of creatures and every shot in Jabba's palace is just nonsense. Yeah. Total nonsense. Yeah, just all the creatures, and then you're like, well, where are the main characters? And then, oh, there's there's one, oh, there's one. It, it's literally like rapid-fire monsters. They go in, there's the Gamorrean guards, and then immediately, like, you're still freaking out about the Gamorrean guards, and then out pops Bib Fortuna. Yeah. <laughs> they were no longer. <laughs> My. Which I still really want to do the, the most brilliant costume idea of all time. Where I want to walk around a celebration eating a bowl of tuna or like tuna in a can and just have like a bib on. You should do it. <laughs> yeah, just make Blast Points bibs. Yeah, Blast Points bibs only for tuna. Yeah, for tuna only. <laughs> Sorry, Charlie. <laughs> and then finally after you see Bib for tuna, then you go straight into Job of the Hut, which even Man. that is like the ultimate in insane. Yeah. Cause that whole, I mean, the whole, it's just really weird and goofy. And I guess I understand like if you were an older fan at the time, why well, maybe you don't like it, but, and I think that's an interesting thing with, with Jedi too, is like Jedi's kind of the beginning, the real beginning of fans kind of splitting between what, what star Wars they like and don't like. And it's kind of like, depending on, I think people who like Jedi probably tend to like the prequels more than people who didn't like Jedi. Because that's really the beginning of when it just gets crazy. Yeah. And there's and Jabba's Palace is kind of like the beginning of the beginning of the crazy. <laughs> it's, it sets the tone for what's to come yeah. from then on out. Because there's, you know, there's the monks, the spider robots with balls of water. There's like the Asian Rambo dude in the background, the headband. <laughs> so much good stuff in Jabba's Palace. The thing... I don't remember its name. It's just like a tongue that's stuck to the wall. Yeah, what's up with that? I look at that all the time, and I always think <laughs> about that. Yeah, what is this thing? Then Luke's hologram shows up. Luke's all in black. His hair looks like a peanut. And he, <laughs> he's just declaring himself a Jedi Knight, right? Yeah. And he's like, hey, Jabba, guess what? You can take these droids. I don't need them anymore because I'm a Jedi Knight. Yeah. And it's like, what? Yeah. What? I mean, you think about it, like, we're all spoiled on Return of the Jedi. We've all watched it five billion times. But you think about it, you know, if you're sitting there in the theater in 1983, what the what? You know? Yeah. Yeah, what? His hair was like... You're just absorbing it. He said he's a Jedi, and then, wait, now he doesn't want the droids anymore. Yeah. He's got peanut hair. What happened to him? (laughs) He spilled ink on his clothes and they're all black now yeah that you cut right to uh frozen han solo which is you know pretty awesome and Jabba's mm-hmm. just like hanging it up in place laughing about it ha <laughs> ha yeah everybody's laughing you know what i've felt dumb because i i know this i don't know why i never noticed this but the the tauntaun head next to han i never really noticed it before really yeah I'm too busy looking at han ah. I thought they smelled bad on the outside. 
And then you got one of my favorite scenes in the whole movie, the droid tor- torture room. That's like in a scene full of just out there craziness. They just kick it up to where there's just a room where they're torturing droids, which really doesn't make any sense. No. And you but got, it's kind of creepy if you're a kid. Yeah, you got one of the best characters in the whole saga, 99, who has one of my favorite lines where <laughs> he just splendid. You're a feisty little one, but you'll soon learn some respect. You got a gonk droid screaming while like hot things are being put on his feet. Yeah, burning his feet. <laughs> yeah, like the little tiny little tiny droid getting ripped apart. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder if that no. Will... <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> I wonder if that little tiny droid is like GA97 size. You know he kind of, yeah. It's his cousin. Oh, don't. It's too sad. Yeah. That's why GA97 is with the resistance now. He's he's still mad about that. I will have my vengeance. <laughs> Subtitled, I will have my vengeance for my cousin. Yeah. So then right after that, you jump right into, if you're going for the modern version, you go right into Jedi Rocks. Which, which, I, which I like. We talked about it on the, if you go back to the uh, special editions episode, uh, you can hear us talk for a good four hours about Jedi Rocks. Yeah, we're probably far too long about Jedi Rocks. Yeah, but it's I, I feel like it's still worth talking about. Yeah. Well, one of the things I noticed this time, too, is everyone always complains about, like, fuzzy, fuzzy man, like, running right into the camera and getting too close to the camera and that sort of thing. Yes, but that's. Yeah, oh yeah, Yasm, thank you. Yeah. But that like totally fits with like the scenes before with the uh Gamorian guards where they're like there's the sh- shot of of the door Jabba's door and then the Gamorian guard just like walks into frame and he's like way too close to the camera. Yeah. It kinda it fits the cinematography's kinda weird in Jedi. It is. Compared, especially coming off of Empire, which is so kind of polished. Yeah. Jedi's a little rough. You know, something I was thinking with Jedi Rocks is I I feel like Jedi Rocks is 100% George Lucas. I like like everyone always talking about how eccentric he is and kind of what a weird northern california dude he is. You know, I bet you he loved Jedi Rocks. Yeah, I can see him probably chuckling to this day when or it's on. Yeah. Like cuz it's like right out of his mind. Yeah. That's Pure George Lucas, I feel like. That whole beginning of the movie is kind of pure George Lucas in a way. I'm sure. I'm sure. Which is an interesting thing to think about because, like, even when listening to the commentaries again and then reading uh, Rinsler's making a book, you get the impression that everyone loved uh, Richard Marquand. Like, everyone always says what a great guy he was. But you also get the sense that he was hired 100% to deal with the actors. Yeah. 
and everything else seems like it was Lucas's movie. Yeah, anything that didn't have actors in it, Lucas was working on. Right. Including, like, the post-production. Everything else was the... And, like, it seems like you hear about Richard Marquand asking about uh, even effects stuff. And Lucas basically would just say, like, oh, don't worry about it. We'll fix it later. You're not going to have anything to do with that, Marquand. Yeah, like, he didn't really know what was going on with the movie necessarily. No. In the scenes he was shooting. Yeah. His job was to talk to, to do the things Lucas didn't want to do, which was talk to people. Yeah. So then Leia walks in dressed as, uh, how do you pronounce? Boosh? Boosh? I always said Boosh. Boosh? 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 <laughs> One of the coolest <laughs> bounty hunter outfits of all time. Yeah. With her uh, 80s metal spikes on her gloves. Oh, I love it. And uh, with, uh, I love Boosh, Boosh's voice, which is the, the yeah. fantastic uh, Pat Welsh, who also did E.T. Which, when you say that it was E.T., it sounds like the same voice, yeah. but I wouldn't have thought of that otherwise. It, have, you, have you listened to the, uh, the commentary with Ben Burt recently? No, not recently. What did he say? He's got the best story, how he was like at like a bank or something and Pat Welsh was in line in front of him and he heard her talking to this person at this place. And I guess Ben Burt just went up to her and was like, do you want to be the voice of an alien? And I guess she was like, okay, (laughs) I'll try it. But it's like that Ben Burt was just going up to strangers. Yeah. Well, that's what you got to do when you're Ben Burt. You got to get the sounds. Always all the sounds, all the sounds of everything, all the time. The lightsabers are one of my favorite sounds, and in fact, it was the very first sound I made for the whole series. For some reason, after I read the script, even though my assignment was first to find a voice for Chewbacca and then a voice for R2, and then, uh, well, maybe come up with some sounds for laser guns and other things. Uh, then you got surprise, surprise, Lando in disguise. Which Lando's disguise is still one of the coolest costumes in all of star wars ever i feel like yeah and i always love that he has to pull the mask down just in case you weren't sure it was lando yeah (laughs) and then i really started thinking about the whole theme of people taking off masks in in return the jedi i'm not sure what it means but there's a lot of and it, it happened again in force awakens of like people removing masks yeah that's true right because Leia does it, Lando does it, Vader does it. And then Force Awakens, it's everyone in the beginning is Finn and Ray and Kylo Ren. There's a lot of masks being taken off. And if anyone has a great theory on the deep meaning of removing masks, let us know. And then it, you cut right to the outside of Jabba's Palace and you got the little burping frog guy, which is... One of my favorite parts. Yeah, especially that's a good one if uh, if anyone has the the making of book. I think it's in the paper version. It's definitely in the digital version where they, they talk a lot about that scene and how when they first shot it, the frog was giant. So basically when they first filmed it in the frame, the frog was like as big as Jabba's Palace. Oh my God. And it totally looked like it was just all about the frog and they ended up having to reshoot it because it was like, instead of being an establishing shot of Jabba's Palace, it was just like this close-up of the giant frog eating something. <laughs> There's some still still footage of it in the book. It's great. It was huge. I would have I would have loved a giant frog. 
But it kind of wouldn't have made sense. You would have been like, like, where were they inside of this giant frog? Maybe they should have been inside of a giant frog. I mean, that's okay. They should have. Maybe they were, for this, for all we know. Yeah. Jabba's palace was an afterthought. Originally, it was a giant frog. It was Jabba <laughs> eating frogs inside of a frog. <laughs> Taking a mask off. <laughs> what does it mean? What does it all mean? So deep. So then. I don't understand. <laughs> so Han is defrosted. It's still a great effect of the Han getting uncarbonated. Then uh, you got Han, Han and Chewie's hug, uh, great hug down there. Before the hug, I, you have one of my favorites part where there's just like the curtain and they pull the curtain away and it's just Java laughing. Yeah. And then somehow when they turn the camera back around, there's just all, all the creatures there watching them and laughing at them. I love that part. Yeah, there's one great shot in there of just all there's like one gold creature shot of them all kind of standing together and there's one human dude way off in the corner who like a couple years ago i went crazy online trying to find out the name of the one human dude he just looks like rick springfield hanging out in the corner <laughs> was you, it rick springfield no it's not but i guess he's like the only person in return of the jedi that's never been given a name i, I think we talked about before like one of the best panels at anaheim was the cantina like the secrets yeah, of the, the cr- creatures of the cantina or secrets of the cantina yeah it'd be so awesome like a secrets of Jabba's palace panel yeah well maybe once they figure out everyone in the cantina they'll move on to Jabba's palace i would barf on myself <laughs> good thing you have a blast points bib yeah <laughs> <laughs> those blast points guys are too raw <laughs> barfing all over their bibs <laughs> put put in your reservations yeah. for a blast points barf bib right now. You're right. Those bibs are for Duna, they're not for barfing. <laughs> uh, so you know one thing that's interesting too is uh Han like immediately and I, this has been talked about to death, but Han immediately does kind of forgive Lando. Where if you think about it. The last time Han was awake, he was crazy pissed off at Lando. Yeah. Like, I wonder if Chewie fills Han in. That could be in the hug scene. Yeah, like after it cuts away. Yeah, so maybe did maybe Chewie did fill in Han um, during the hug scene. Or, you know, it almost seems like watching Empire that Han was mad at him, but he kind of knew they were dealing with Vader and that, you know, it wasn't completely Han. Lando's fault, and Lando was trying to protect uh, Chewie and, and Leia, so maybe the fact that Leia's, he sees Leia and she rescues him, he at that point knows that if Lando's there, that Lando helped out, I don't know. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, so then Luke enters, like, total boss. His and ho- everyone's asleep, which is awesome. They're all chilling out. It's <laughs> just sleeping aliens. Except for Salacious Crumb, he doesn't sleep ever. Right, and the punk rock Doug. <laughs> Could be Sebulba's cousin. Sebulba's cousin's still awake. Yeah, he's cruising around. Yeah. Luke's just like force choking out Gamorrean guards coming down the stairs. Just acting like a total badass, talking to Jabba, not even sweating it. Well, uh, he's going full on dark side almost at that point, too. Mm-hmm. Just choking people, and he's not using the force for uh, knowledge or defense at that point. No, it's true. It's not. So then he goes down into the Rancor pit. Uh, Rancor, one of the sweetest monsters of all time. And you know something, too? The Rancor was really, like, 83 is really interesting because that was kind of the tail 
end, like that, well, really RoboCop and kind of 87, but like stop motion was kind of starting to come out, you know? Yeah, it was going, it was becoming, going out of style. Yeah. Well, and isn't the Rancor's a combo, I think, between, there's some Rod Puppet stuff, too. Yeah, and there's some shots still of, because uh, they did a version with Phil Tippett. Of just like his hands and his head in their controlling parts. Yeah, they did the well. They did the full body one too that they didn't use. So, which is just neat to see. Yeah, what what making of is that in? I think that's all in the book. Yeah, I think you're right. The making, yeah, the making Return of the Jedi book is really good for this stuff because they also, I think, it has the photo, the great photo where um, it's the Rancor fighting the dragon from Dragon Slayer because oh. they were working on both at the same time. Oh my god! Yeah. Yeah. A good picture. Did you know that the Rancor Keeper, his voice is uh the Hardware Wars guy, right? Yeah, Ernie yeah. Facilius. Yeah, yeah, that, that was great. Hardware Wars, a spectacle light years ahead of its time, starring Fluke Starbucker, intergalactic boy wonder, Augie Ben Doggy, venerable member of the Red Eye Knights. Uh, so then you get out into the sail barge parts. Uh, and I still love that that R two is just completely chill serving drinks. Yeah, and there's a couple shots of the the squidhead dudes dancing. I think. Yeah, <laughs> which is always always fun to see. So then you got the whole one of the most awesome parts of the whole movie: Luke's triple backflip coming up, jumping the saber. Yeah. Well, and even before that, the pit music is one of the best Star Wars cues probably in all the movies. Which they've used quite a few times for trailers, but just the bump, bump. I think, in my opinion, the the entire sail barge sequence is one of the greatest scenes in not only Star Wars but in any movie ever. In my my opinion, I'm a little biased, but I'll agree with you. You know, it's just it's such a perfect setup with the music, and then you're like, "What are they gonna do?" And then R two opens his head, and you're like, "Wait, what is that? Is that his lightsaber?" And then it is, and then you're like, "Oh!" You start cheering. Ridiculously fast cuts. Like if you watch it, like it goes by so quick. There's so much going on, and it's crazy too because like Lucas, like over and over in the commentary, says how how hard it was to put together and how it had to be completely rescored because like there were so many edits being done to it, and how he's not very happy with the whole sail barge sequence. It's such a cool sequence. I was like, I don't get what you're talking about, man. And Luke's, Luke's lightsaber blade is giant. So it's so long. Yeah, it's just, it's huge. And I love the the one part where Luke jumps onto the other sail barge, and it always reminds me of like a, one of the wacky wall walkers, like the octopuses, you know? Because Luke just literally jumps onto the side of a sail barge and just sticks there. Sticks to it, yeah. He's got four stick. Yeah. 
And some dude tries to come out, and Luke just like knocks him on the head with a lightsaber or something, and he comes flying out. Mm-hmm. The Sarlacc pit is amazing. Lando's hair is amazing. Lando's yeah. scream is amazing. Yeah! It's got tentacles. I think it's one of the best ever. really don't get to see a whole lot of the what's going on inside the Death Star 2. Yeah. You don't see yeah. like the the hallways and like all the places where like Obi-Wan was sneaking around or anything. Like I think they did a good job of reusing of a, a, a environment we'd been to before but showing us different aspects of it which was cool. Right. And then now after seeing the prequels it's even cooler going back and seeing that Palpatine's Death Star Tower is basically the Jedi Temple Tower, just his own version on a Death Star. Right. All right, I'll make my own tower. Yeah. <laughs> Mine will be in space. Mine will be cooler. Yeah. Mine's way cooler. I have a stereo. <laughs> I'm still mad about it, Jedi. <laughs> Jerks. You've done well, Lord Vader. And now I sense you wish to continue your search for young Skywalker. Yes, my master. So you got Luke on Dagobah, which I thought was pretty interesting that you know Luke's a Jedi now because he figured out how to land his X-Wing on Dagobah. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. You, could, you know, before he didn't know what he was doing, but now he's, you know, he's just like, yeah, I got this under control yeah, now. I've done this before. Yeah. Well, I was thinking the interesting thing with Yoda, too, is for how much everyone, you know, sometimes complains about Jedi being goofy and silly because of the Ewoks and because of Jabba's Palace or whatever. Yoda's like dead serious in Jedi. Like Goofy Yoda isn't there anymore. No, yeah. Totally serious. Except yeah. for his lazy eye. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which for years I never noticed it. And then I, I was reading the the making of book a few years ago and they mentioned the lazy eye. And I still never noticed it. And then I watched it once with my son who's six and he was like, Daddy, what's wrong with Yoda's eye? <laughs> it's like, oh where there it is. Oh man. But he's 900 years old, so it's okay. Yeah, it's starting to fall apart. Sick of having come. I heard him weak. When 900 years old, you reach, look as good you or not. I thought it was interesting when I watched it just recently how Yoda warns Luke. You know, anger, fear, aggression, you know, once you start down the dark path, forever will it dominate your destiny. And I started thinking about it. I was like, well, it's very much in the context of like the end of Return of the Jedi, but also like like anger for 
the death of Han, fear something that if some if 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 Luke was not able to protect Ray or Leia, and aggression could be all kinds of things for Luke in Force Awakens and beyond. It could be from the fear or the fact that Luke may think that he failed with passing on what he learned, training Jedi, like the aggression could be all kinds of things. So no, I thought that was interesting that like as much as it was about Luke facing Vader at the end of Return of the Jedi, like Yoda's warning to Luke also kind of talks about him in the, um, the sequel trilogy world. That's true. Well, there was another thing with that too, that I, that sunk in this time too was the when Obi Wan makes a point to say Yoda will always be with you. Yeah, that I I better see Yoda in episode yeah. eight <laughs> because Obi Wan told me he'd still be there. Right, because he doesn't say I'll always be with you. He says Yoda will always be with you. Much like the Emperor, like when Luke goes before the Emperor, and the Emperor is purposely trying to mess with Luke to get him angry. That like Snoke is kind of doing the same thing. To try to get Luke angry? Yeah. Yeah, draw him out. Yeah. And it reminds me of that line in Aftermath where the the dark side dude was talking about Luke and that, what well, I can't remember the exact quote, but something how he had like a pure soul for now. Almost like all these people, all these like dark side people, they just want to get Luke angry. Yeah. Well, and we, we maybe talk about it later when we get to that point, but like... At the end, in the big fight, like I forget, like how dark side Luke goes at the end. Mm-hmm. You know, when when Vader mentions his sister, and the and the awesome music kicks in, like even visually, like you can see that he basically throws all his training away because even his saber style like changes, and he's just like he's not even there's no technique anymore. He's just swinging as hard as he can. Yeah, which reminds me of uh, Ray at the end of Force Awakens. Yeah, because she even they even both kind of start with the stab. Yeah. You need a teacher. I can show you the ways of the Force. Which was Palpatine's kind of move in the prequels too, where it's just like pure dark side. It's all aggression. Right. So it's in Luke. We've seen it. But it's a, I mean that's the key point for Luke when he realizes. And he stops himself and he throws down his saber. That's that's yeah. the whole that's the whole thing. But it'll just be so interesting going forward with Luke, like his fight to not tap into that. You failed, Your Highness. I am a Jedi, like my father before me. Right. Since, you know, he's gotta be even so much more powerful at this point. And he's been through so much more. I mean, he could look at Kylo Ren and all of the First Order as, this is my fault. This is all my fault. I don't know. And it's interesting, too. Like him, like when they're flying to, uh, to Endor and him saying, I've endangered the mission. That I shouldn't have come. That's like everything. That's like why he disappeared. Because he could have stayed with Leia, supported her, and like with the resistance, but he would endanger the mission. Like anywhere he goes, he's a threat to that's those true. to those who are around him. Yeah, that's true, and that's a good point. As to it, kind of explains why someone, you know, why why would the hero go away in Force Awakens and not be around? 
because he just realizes that, yeah, it's more dangerous for everyone around him to be near him than for him to just disappear. Right. It's because he went to Endor and he was on that shuttle, shuttle Tiderian, Vader knew they're there. Yeah. But I guess the Emperor already knew they were going to be there. So in the end, you know, that's true. it was good that he was there because all the stuff with Vader happened. But in the short term, yeah, it did seem like it was a mistake. I'm endangering the mission. I shouldn't have come. It's your imagination, kid. Come on, let's keep a little optimism. Okay, let's talk about one of the most amazing scenes in cinema history, the Rebel Briefing Room. The Rebel Briefing Room is so good, too, because it's like the it's the the hero version of Jabba's Palace. Yes. Where it's just every wall-to-wall creatures and rebels and just awesomeness. Yeah, it, right away you get General Lando. Somebody must have heard about his little maneuver at the Battle of Tanab. Yeah. You, then you get Maydeen coming out. Oh, Maydeen. Yeah, which... You've been listening to Blast Points. You know how we feel about Maydeen. Yeah. yeah. And do you know, do you remember the even crazier thing with Maydeen? Why he has the beard? It's like, it's a fake beard. Yeah, because they already made the figure. <laughs> and, he, and he had a beard. So they had to stick a beard on the actor. Perfect. Uh, so I'm guessing they probably already had the hairstyle too, which is why his hair is so crazy. It's, it, it also is peanut hair. Then straight straight after Maydeen, after your mind's been blown by Maydeen's hair and his beard, we go right into Akbar. Admiral Akbar, please. You can see here the Death Star orbiting the forest moon of Endor. Wasn't Mon Mothma first? Though? Oh yeah, how, how could I forget Mon Mothma? Yeah. Get operational. The Death Star. And the best thing with Mon Mothma, I don't know if you noticed this, is kind of like Jer Gerard. When she's not talking, if you watch her face. Yeah. Her face is so serious and like so intense. It's just like you're watching Akbar talk, and then there's there's Mon Mothma, and she's like so into it. She's she's thinking about uh, all the Bothans that died in Shadows of the Empire. Yeah, it's like she just read Shadows of the Empire, and she's yeah. like, "Oh man, that's, <laughs> that's see it on her face. That's the face. She's thinking about the refreshers. The ref- all the refreshers. <laughs> what?" Uh, what Sheezer must smell like. <laughs> Sheezer's chest. Va- yeah. Vader's garden. <laughs> so you got some wild computer graphics of the Death Star, which then made me think that, like, A New Hope, Return of the Jedi, and Force Awakens all have Death Star computer graphic scenes. And Attack of the Clones. And Attack of the Clones, that's right. So more Star Wars movies have Death Star computer scenes then don't so far you'd have to think it's going to be in rogue one a major weapons test is imminent we need to know what it is and how to destroy it yeah you're right uh you got admiral akbar saying superstructure which is never never gets old fly into the superstructure and attempt to knock out the main reactor I like that the, the uh, medical droid belly is flashing for yeah. no reason. <laughs> Somebody's getting a phone call. It's either a phone call or they just want everyone to know there's like a sale in the uh, in the commissary or something. <laughs> the lights are flashing 50% off. <laughs> you got Wedge standing in the back looking like the biggest badass of all time. 
All the prune faces. All the prune faces. Eye patch. Just rebel pilots all over the place. And I think isn't that the scene with the David Prowse cameo? Is it? I think when the one of the last shots with uh, the droids, I think it's David Prowse in the sitting in the in the bottom of the frame, yeah, just I, in a rebel uniform. I, I think it's him. I did not know that. Yeah. So then, shortly after that, you got the speeder bike chase, which is pretty amazing. Quick, jam their comlink, center switch. Yeah, with the speeder bike chase still, just in general, is so insanely awesome. Yeah, it's intense. Nothing compares to it. Like, for some reason, one of my favorite parts of the speeder bike scene is at the end when Luke falls off and he just, like, comes creeping up out of the woods and lights up his lightsaber and just cuts off the tip of that dude's speeder bike. Mm-hmm. Well, and before that, he's blocking the blast with his saber. Oh, yeah. it's kind of like, yeah, yeah. you know, that's... Inspiration for all of the prequels, really. Right. Of just Jedi's blocking laser blasts with their saber. Do you remember the t-shirt I had in the 90s that was an all-over print Star Wars t-shirt of just blurred woods? And on the front was Luke and Leia on a speeder bike. And on the back was a biker scout on a speeder bike. So they were like forever chasing each other around the t-shirt. Do you remember that one? No. Yeah. I don't think I ever saw that one. I only wore it on the most special of occasions. <laughs> I, I never came and saw you on Easter or Christmas. <laughs> a wedding with a bow weddings with a bow tie around yep. it. So Ewoks. I always liked Ewoks. I have no I you know listen, I had no problems with Ewoks. We are the Ewoks. Spreading his Ewoks eat people. Yes. And Wicket would have eaten Leia, but she had some snacks for him. Yeah. Which I always wanted to eat those snacks. I know. They look so good. I don't know what they are, but it's good. That and the, yeah, and the food Luke had that Yoda took. Like, it must have been good. <laughs> so Return of the Jedi, when you get into the kind of the final act, I still feel like Return of the Jedi has... With I feel like also with Phantom Menace, but more so Return of the Jedi, one of the craziest three-level endings of all time ever. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's great. Because I was thinking about that today, too, that it's neat because it's almost like the Death Star part is like watching A New Hope again. And then the Luke Vader stuff is like watching the end of Empire. So it's like watching A New Hope and Empire at the same time. Right. And then... There's the end of Jedi, which is the Endor stuff. So it's basically you're watching the climax of all three movies at once. Yeah, it's like that thing that was going around on YouTube years ago where some people still be playing all the Star Wars movies at the same time. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty much that. <laughs> <laughs> it pretty much, it, it gets kicked off with a kind of one-two punch. Luke and Leia, the, the Luke and Leia on the balcony scene talking about Padme, which is pretty awesome. And then you got 3PO telling the whole story of Star Wars right before they all decided to go to battle, which is interesting too, because just a little bit before that, 3PO talked about how he didn't recognize the Ewok language at all. 
And then just like a few hours later, he's telling the story of everything that happened before. In, yeah, that's in, how that's how his programming works, probably. You know, once he talks to the Ewoks, he can figure it out. He's a smarter droid than people give him credit for. Is that the scene where the Ewok is smoking a pipe? Yes. I like that guy. And then, so you got Luke and Leia on the balcony, like in on Endor, talking about Padme. Luke laying down the truth. And then just a little bit later, you got Luke and Vader on a balcony with one of the most awesome scenes of all time ever. Again, because like they're having like you know, they're having a battle. And what's crazy is the last time these two people have been in the same room, it was all like screaming and sweating and cutting off hands. No! No! Yelling at each other, falling down endless pits. And now they're just like talking on this catwalk. And I love Luke just like straight up calling him father. The emperor has been expecting you. I know, Father. So, you have accepted the truth. I've accepted the truth that you were once Anakin Skywalker, my father. That name no longer has any meaning for me. It is the name of your true self you've only forgotten. I know there is good in you. The Emperor hasn't driven it from you fully. Just messing with them. Yeah. Hitting them in the sweet spot. The really sweet spot. Yeah, I always like that. That's a great scene. And the fact that he shows up in an AT-AT. Yeah. In the woods. Like a boss. Yeah. And I like that Luke says straight up Anakin Skywalker to him. Mm -hmm. And Vader just about flips out. Like, again, just punching him straight in the sweet spot. Yeah, it's like all mind games at that point. Right. So you go right after that pretty much into the final... The space battle, which is absolutely bonkers. Yeah, even to this day, even you know, with everything that's happened with effects in movies, like that space battle is still one of the top space battles of all time. If not, will always be one of the top of all time. Yeah, and just I'm, even that opening, that one shot with just all the Tie Fighters flying at the at the screen is still incredible to this day. Like any video game you ever play from like the Battle Pod or anything ever, if you get to the Return of the Jedi space battle, you know you're about to play the most impossible thing of all time. Yeah. Well, and then there, I, there's a great shot, I think it's earlier in the two, with the, uh, where the Falcon's just moving across the screen from left to right, and it's like flying in and out of the camera view. Oh, yeah, it's the coolest thing ever. Yeah. And you got, right away, Nine Numb is the co-pilot of the Falcon for no reason. Yeah, no explanation. No. Don't worry, my friend's down there. He's got the vest. Yeah. Close enough. (laughs) (laughs) Like, is anyone here wearing a vest? All right, you're on the Falcon. How awesome would have been in Force Awakens when the end, when Rey is flying the Falcon, if she's got like a Han Solo vest on? But isn't her, her, that costume does have a vest, doesn't it? Oh, you're kind of, it is kind of a vest. Yeah. I think it is, isn't it? It's kind of a vest. It's like a space vest. It's a more fashionable vest. Yeah, high fashion. To get the ground battle of Endor, which I started thinking when I was watching it, like there was a full size ATST, like they built one. So like, I was thinking like, whatever happened to that? Like, 
is that at Lucasfilm somewhere? Did they have to dis- disable it? Like, they have to take it apart or something because it was too big, too crazy? Yeah, I don't know. You mean, usually stuff that big, they just burn. So maybe oh, they don't no. have it, but I would hope they still have it. Does Steve Sansweet have it? He's not telling anybody? That's what he's going to be buried in. Yeah. <laughs> I never told anyone. <laughs> Peace out. Sansweet out. Sansweet yeah. out. <laughs> the ATSD. That's another thing, too, if you ever go back and, and uh, anyone reads the making of Return of the Jedi book, there's pages and pages on that. The jungle fight and all the stuff they did with the ATSTs, like the one scene where they smash it with the logs. They actually like modeled all the stuff inside the ATST. I think they even had a crew and all the interior stuff so it would smash and fall out of it when it got crushed. They should just they did write a whole book just about smashing ATSTs. Yeah. And that was one of the, I think they shot a lot of that in the ILM parking lot to get the, the natural lighting. <laughs> the emperor which is just fantastic because i i really love return of the jedi emperor palpatine because he is the most evil the most outrageous his eyes are glowing he's singing songs oh i'm afraid the deflector shield will be quite operational when your friends arrive Every every line out of his mouth is gold. Solid gold. I can never get enough of Return of the Jedi Palpatine. Welcome, young Skywalker. I have been expecting you. I'm looking forward to completing your training. In time, you will call me Master. Oh, no, my young Jedi. You will find... That it is you who are mistaken about a great many things. It is quite safe from your pitiful little band. Luke is put in pretty much like the same situation as his father in Revenge of the Sith. Whether it be like with Dooku or, you know, like Mace Windu. Like, what are you going to do here? Do you Do you fight or do you not fight? And I think that's... To this day, too, one of the great things with Return of the Jedi is it's this big, huge, multi-movie saga that basically ends with the main character not fighting. Right. And that and that's how he wins. He just refuses to fight. It's a different choice than his father made. Yeah. And it's a different choice than apparently Yoda and Obi-Wan wanted him to do, too. Right. Which is fascinating, too, because like when Luke says to Obi-Wan on Dagobah, like, I can't do it. I can't kill my own father. And Obi-Wan is like, well, then the Emperor has already won. And it's like you watch it now, and you're like, well, what, Obi-Wan? Did you want Luke to kill him? Yeah, I think he did. I think that's one of the things I think that you kind of learn in the prequels, too. It's like Obi-Wan and Yoda really didn't They didn't really know what to do. They thought they did, but they weren't right. Yeah. And maybe we'll talk some about that with the Qui-Gon episode. It's kind of Luke becomes more like Qui-Gon. Exactly. We'll save some of that for next week, but yeah. It's exactly, it's more of the Qui-Gon way of thinking. Remember, concentrate on the moment. 
Feel. Don't think. Use your instincts. I will. May the force be with you. When it, and again, that'll be just so interesting. Like, sequel trilogy, the Luke we're about to know more about in episode eight. I mean, obviously with him disappearing, he still kind of has the mindset of I'm not going to fight. Yeah, he's trying his hardest to not fight. Right. So, yeah, I think that's a good point that, it, like, I mean, maybe that is where they're going with the sequel trilogy is like, what what will it take or what has to happen for fighting to be the right solution? Or will it, yeah, will that never be the right solution? I don't know. I don't know. You failed, Your Highness. I am a Jedi, like my father before me. And also, again, it's interesting with uh, after... You know, your, your sister and never. That's the first time in a Star Wars movie that a lightsaber fight had been set to music. Yeah, I never thought about it that way. It's interesting. Also, it's it's choir, which again was repeated again in Phantom Menace, where most so much of Duel of the Fates is choir driven. Yeah. Yeah, before that, during any lightsaber fight, you never had any music. Which is, yeah, probably one of the reasons that that part just kind of hits you so hard when the music kicks in. Right. Yeah, and I, with when Anakin, when Vader, Anakin, whatever, throws Palpatine down the shaft, and that part where he's looking back and forth, I mean, you could interpret it all so many ways, but like, to me at that point, like, I always, like, that, and that's part of the reason why I have absolutely zero hate in my body for the prequels is because when Vader picks up Palpatine and throws him down the shaft, it's pretty much at that point where he's like, it's, it's, it's because of Padme. It's like, you lied Palpatine, you jerk. You lied to me about Padme. Where is Padme? Is she safe? Is she all right? It seems in your anger, you killed her. I, I couldn't. She was alive. I felt it. Yeah, right. This has all been a f- for a lie, basically. Yeah, this has all just been for your power. And I didn't kill Padme. Yeah, I remember when we were kids, You know, no one understood why you thought Luke was going to defeat the Emperor. Or you thought Luke was going to defeat Vader. Yeah, right. Because so yeah, really that's, you know... It's not the ending you would think was going to happen. No, not at all. And it just, it plays so much better after seeing Anakin's story. So you cut right from that to, right from, yeah, I like that you cut right from this very quiet, emotional moment of Luke and Vader to blowing up the Death Star. And then it's like, well, how are you going to top that? And it's like, well, let's let's blow some stuff up. Yeah, let's blow the Death Star. And that... That Death Star reactor core in the middle, mm-hmm. that's so freaking cool looking. Yeah, and huge. Huge. And Wedge Antilles, the coolest, Wedge Antilles, the coolest cucumber of all time, just not even sweating. Just like, yeah, yeah. I'll blow this thing up. Boom, boom. Got it. 
I'm out. And then they gotta race the fire. Yeah, fly out with the fire going around them. And then Luke also cool cucumber flying an Imperial shuttle, not even thinking about it. And he got Vader's body on there. Tell your sister you've arrived. It's the best. Yeah. It's the best. Yeah, and it's another place where just all of Vader's lines are perfect at that point. Yeah, and it's also so much more rewarding because of episodes one, two, and three. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because you know everything that happened to get to that point. Yeah. And that he, yeah, and he is back to he's back to little Lilani. Lilani, yeah. Lilani. Um and you know, and him saying, You were right about me. Tell your sister you were right. And again, I in all of that I can't help thinking about Padme. Like Yeah, because she never she never lost faith in Vader. No. Or in Anakin. She knew he was there. Yeah. And he knew that there was some very important part of Padme giving birth to their children that he missed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because that's yeah, that's true. Because I forget about that with even a new hope. Like, yeah, he didn't even know the kids were alive. No, yeah, the, that's the thing. Like the Vader we're going to see in Rogue One, and the Vader in A New Hope is like that Vader we see in Rebels. It's just it's a Vader just driven purely by hate, just only anger and hate. And there's no. You know, at the end of A New Hope, when he discovers Luke, that's when things start to change for Vader. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's something I hadn't thought about with the uh, Rogue One Vader, that that is the pre-Luke. Just, yeah. Hate. So, if, you know, if they want him to be doing crazy stuff, it's not out of character at that point. He's just, he's a rage machine. Right. Um, so then you got the Ewok party. Can dance. Ewoks can dance. Wookies don't dance. Uh, no. Remember when we asked Peter Mayhew if that was uh, if he came up with that dance or if that was something from uh, Lucas. Yeah, that was yeah that was uh, like nineteen ninety five or something, yeah. and we were that was the precursor to Blast Points because we were at a Men Behind oh, men, the Mask men tour. Men Behind the Mask, yeah. And we asked Peter Mayhew about him dancing at the Ewok party. <laughs> The hard-hitting questions. <laughs> this is what we're, here's what we're thinking about. Yeah. Um, we, we got a bet going on. <laughs> Hope you, can an, you can answer a bet or solve a bet, whatever. However you talk about bets. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah and then I re- Settle a bet. That's what you say. You got to settle a bet, Peter yeah. Mayhew. Uh, I really like to. I, I'm a big fan of um, Hayden Christensen, Force Ghost, showing up. I got no problems with that. Yeah, I got no problems with it either. Because really, too, Vader in the suit doesn't really look like Sebastian Shaw as a ghost either. No. Because he's just this, like, white white egg face. (laughs) (laughs) So he could very easily, when he's not, you know, an emaciated white egg, could look like Aiden Christensen, too. Yeah, why not? 
I'm all for it. And when you watch all six movies, it's great to see Hayden's back. Yeah, it makes it makes it all so much more meaningful, in my opinion. Yeah. Uh, and then it's you know in rewatching Return of the Jedi two after seeing Force Awakens, and now we're uh, episode eight is still kind of foggy, but it's starting to come into focus. The, it's it's just so awesome to kind of know what happens next to these characters. Yeah. Well, that's one thing I wanted to bring up too. This it's interesting now that we have eight that eight does kind of do something that the prequels did, which some people don't like, but as cool as the prequels kind of changed how you view the original trilogy when you watch it. Cause now you have the backstory of what went before it. And now with episode eight or episode seven, it kind of changes some of the stuff viewing uh, Jedi because you know, what's going to happen and that, you know, that, you know, it's great Han and Leia are together, but that's going to lead to Kylo and that leads to Luke, you know, disappearing. So it's kind of, it gives you a little different feeling watching the movie because you know what's going to happen. Yeah, like we were saying with Yoda talking to Luke about beware of the dark side. The facing Vader was not the end of Luke's journey. There's a lot more to be told of the adventures of Luke Skywalker. And how Rey fits into all of it, you know? We, yeah. st- we still don't know anything, who she is or where she comes from or what she has to do with the Force or, you know, it's all, it's fascinating. I like Star Wars. <laughs> it's okay. Yeah, it's all right. It's all right. So uh, right before we recorded, I went on um, Twitter and I asked folks what their favorite things about Return of the Jedi are. And we got a couple good responses here before we start recording. Uh, Steel Saunders, uh, host of the Fantastic Steel Wars podcast. Um, Perhaps you've heard of it. He said, this is good, uh, springboard front flip, saber catch, ignite, clean house. The best thing I've ever seen. (laughs) That's true. Yeah, which, Steel Saunders, I could not agree more. Uh, And then uh, Shannon... She's on Twitter at uh, at ShannonJoy26, said, Everything Luke does. The Luke and Leia talk, the moment at the end with the Force ghosts, and that's all she got. Which I agree, everything Luke does is the best. Yeah, Luke is the Return of the Jedi superstar. Yeah. He's the winner of Return of the Jedi. Then our friends over at uh, Roku, Roku Depot wrote... Ewoks, Jabba, and the Emperor equals winning combination. Couldn't agree more. Brandon Harbeck, he's at at Brandon Harbeck on Twitter, wrote, Every scene with Luke, Vader, and Palpatine on the Death Star 2 is gold. Absolutely. Our friends over at the Generation X-Wing podcast wrote, Reyes and all the other strange people who sleep in Jabba's palace. Absolutely. Good shout out to Reese. And our friend Ian, who's on Twitter at the Porch Awakens, he's got he's got a bunch of them here. He got uh Dai Wanawanga, the droid torture chamber, Yoda disappearing, and only his farts remain. When Luke says, I'm with you too. And then he says, when Obi-Wan goes from a certain point of view, Max Rebo jamming. And when Boosh says you have hibernation sickness, but that's 
that's pretty dynamo list there, I would say. So thank you, everybody, for, uh, for writing in with your feelings on Return of the Jedi. And these last points, too accurate for sand people. Only Imperial stormtroopers are so precise. So, Gabe, we have a new iTunes review. We do. We do. Um, it's a good one. Uh, it's titled Here Goes, and it's from Jesse plus James. Or is that Jesse and James? I, it says, I present to you a gift. These two podcasters, both are hardworking and will serve you well. Pros. Number one, witty and upbeat banter. Number two, awesome sound effects. Number three, huge variety of topics. Number four, just the right length. Mm. Uh, yeah. Um, now, cons. Number one, stuck up. Number two, half-witted. Number three, scruffy looking. Number four, nerf herders. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Well, you know, Jesse plus James... I like to think of myself more as a moof milker myself, but we are a little scruffy looking. <laughs> a little, a little on the scruffy looking side. Yeah, especially if you if you saw us at Motor City. Yeah, there was some scruffy going on there. <laughs> and I would agree very much with half witted. <laughs> well, that's why there's two of us. That's true. They have a full yeah. wit. Yeah, we have at least one wit between us. Yeah. You must contact me. Uh, yeah, so you should leave us a review on iTunes, just like Jesse plus James did. Uh, if you're listening on iTunes, just head over there after listening to the show. Leave us a five-star review. Write something, and we'll read what you write on an upcoming show. Yeah, and if you have questions and comments and things that you write on Facebook or Twitter, we'll probably read those too. Yeah, I totally, like, we haven't had too much of that, and I'd love to have more, like... Leave us some more, yeah, questions, comments. Ask us anything, really. You can listen to us. We're, of course, on iTunes, and we're on SoundCloud and Google Play and Stitcher. Pretty much anywhere there are podcasts, pretty much I think you can find Blast Points at this time. And you can read, uh, I do some Star Wars writing stuff on DoomRocket.com. I do recaps of Clone Wars episodes every single week. This week, it's uh, Bombad General, I think. Oh, so you're back to the more Jar Jar episodes. More Jar Jar, and I think, isn't Bombad General the one with the weird Jar Jar voice where it's not Ahmed Best? Uh, I don't think so, because you're still in season one, aren't you, or are you jumping ahead? No, it's season one. Yeah, I don't think uh, it's in the middle of the show. I don't remember what season. There's one season where Ahmed Best couldn't do it, and they've never admitted why. <laughs> <laughs> The mystery, maybe someday we'll figure it out. But yeah, I think it's one of the middle seasons. It's not Ahmed Best. And then he comes back later, so it's even more confusing. Yeah, so I think that's pretty much it, right? I think, yeah, that's Return of the Jedi. That's Return of the Jedi, the greatest movie of all time. It might be one of of the the greatest. I'm going to say the greatest movie of all time. (laughs) (laughs) Possibly the greatest thing of all time. It's no Attack of the Clones, but it's close. <laughs> so with that, thank you for listening. Tune in next week for the Quagonathon. Uh, um, um, we have Bass, Blast Points as Jason. As Gabe. Uh, and we'll see you next time. Bye-bye. May the Force be with you. Goodbye, old friend. May the Force be with you. 
Is it a great film? I mean, it's, it's clearly great technology, and it does uh, wonderful things with special effects, but in terms of the normal standards by which we judge movies, is this a great film? John Simon, clearly you say no. Well, first of all, you know, special effects are like the tail of the dog, which should not wag the whole animal. Um, when you have a film that's 90% special, and that's a kindly estimate, 90% uh, special effects, uh, you might just as well be watching a um, animated cartoon, because finally all that all those special effects begin to look totally unreal. Um, there is, there is, you're looking for something that looks like flesh and blood. There, you have three lousy actors in the main roles who don't contribute much flesh and blood. You have ghastly dialogue, terrible plotting, miserable characterization, which also do not contribute flesh and blood. So what you're left with is something that Walt Disney could have done just as well with, with a drawing board and pencils and colors. All right, Roger Ebert. Uh, beyond the undeniable fact that it's that is clearly perceived as entertainment by a great many people. How would you argue that it's a great movie? These are the sorts of movies that Disney people should be making and the kinds of movies that Disney made uh, 20, 30 years ago. I think all movies are special effects. Movies are not real. They're two-dimensional. A film goes through the camera, the projector throws the light on the screen, and that makes a special effect. It's a dream. It's an imagination. As to whether this film is good or not, it excited me. It made me laugh. But I try, I think, in my own movie-going taste to be broad enough to also understand why a bunch of people might want to get together and see a Star Wars movie and enjoy it. Gene Siskel, is it, is it not possible to separate these two and to say, yes, there's such a thing as great entertainment, but it's not a great movie, let's not pretend it is? Yeah, what I, uh, I think that Mr. Simon ought to do what I did over the weekend. I went to a regular movie theater in a shopping center in Michigan City, Indiana, and I sat amid all the kids. You, there was one tall head and a lot of small heads. Were they dumber than they needed to be? No, they weren't dumber, to quote that interesting phrase. <laughs> uh, they uh, were ecstatic. They were enjoying it, and they were rooting. They were asking each other who's who. They were getting all involved. They were rooting for the right guys and booing the bad guys. I thought it was a lot of fun.